Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? I can imagine that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans are feeling pretty damn good right now. Bitcoin at all-time high, Ethereum 2 on the precipice of launching the beacon chain. How are you doing? I, I'm doing just fine. And like even the, the right DeFi tokens are pumping. And I'm going to coin Gecko right now and kind of looking at all this shit. And XRP is still up 50% in seven days. But Litecoin, uh, Cardano, Polkadot, Stellar, uh, Bitcoin SV, EOS, all not doing great. All, I mean, not doing bad. But like, you know, Ether and Bitcoin are making big moves and all the other shitty coins are not making big moves. So that makes me happy. Let's get some, uh, let's get some diamonds out of the rough here. Let's make some separation between these ecosystems. For some reason, I'm not super optimistic about, uh, about that. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) At least in the the next few months. Yeah. It would be a first. That is true. How, How does shit come to like leave the ecosystem because the the shit coins that we had when we when you and i first got into this industry in 2017 are not the same shit coins that we see at the top of the charts today nor were they the shit coins that we saw that were even earlier how is it just a slow process of like bleeding out to irrelevancy or like how does how does shit actually come to leave this world so uh, Willie Wu Wo- had a really great thread several months back. Uh, he ha- he kind of like showed different altcoins against Bitcoin. And he said there's two types of altcoins. There's ones that pump during their full- first bull market and then they just like fade to death and mm-hmm. eventually just, you know, kind of go close to zero. And then there's some that just constantly oscillate, mm-hmm. you know, around Bitcoin during the cycles. Um, so I would consider you know, any of the quote unquote blue chips that are still around from 2017, those are oscillators. Litecoin's a great example of an mm-hmm. oscillator. Whereas like, I don't know, Feathercoin and there's there's a whole bunch that, you know, have definitely just gone straight down. Nano's a great example of one that yep. <laughs> has a great one and done. Run in 2017 <laughs> and then it just one and done. So um, yeah, there's always a, a handful that kind of just stick around and then the rest in the bear market seems like they just fade to death. So I'm assuming Willie Wu would put Ether into a category of an oscillator. I guess I was looking at the the BTC ETH chart. It's really, Ether's only been around for one bull market, so we'll find out. But that pattern does not look like it's dying. It looks like it's about to do one one of these. So um, that, I guess after this bull market, if uh, depending on Ether's performance, you know, it probably will move from uh it, it'll definitely upgrade into the full into, oscillator you're, wait 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 so hang on so i was looking at the eth btc chart so i didn't see what your hand signals were doing what do you what, what category do you put eth in, ether into versus bitcoin well it just ether hasn't been there for two bull markets prior to this it's mm, only been it's mm, only had mm-hmm. one bull market so it right. like any altcoin must continue to be relevant and pop into the the next bull market to become an oscillator mm-hmm. i mean i it, it's obvious that ether is here to stay like it's ether, not the trend anytime soon the eth btc chart looks really fucking juicy and we're on the cusp of december tomorrow being september uh, december 1st uh and december Ethers existed in five Decembers. This will be its sixth December. And December has like five out of five times been Ether's best month, specifically versus BTC. So I follow this guy, Brendan so, Cowan. 
his YouTube wait. video, his YouTube. Go ahead. Wait, continue that, but I, I do want to get into that. December is the best month because I mean, if yeah. you, June twenty seventeen was the all time high. No, December twenty seventeen was the all time high. Oh, no, oh okay. first, Bitcoin, first Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so but it's it started its upswing. Maybe it's Q one. The, who, whoever wants more information on this, go to Brent Benjamin Cowan's uh, YouTube channel and check out the ETH BTC uh, videos. Um, but the months of December are like always bullish Ether versus Bitcoin. Like it's gone up versus Bitcoin five out of five times, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little bit. Um, uh, well, and- January is typically a terrible month for, for Bitcoin against for, the dollar. Against the dollar. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. December and then generally speaking, Q1 is really strong for Ether. I wonder why. Five out of five times is pretty consistent. That's kind of weird. Well, every January is a bad month for Bitcoin because I think people take profits or whatever for mm-hmm. for tax purposes prior to then. Mm-hmm. So tell me what's going, what's what's the chanting in Bitcoin or land going on right now? Like, is it all about like all-time highs? Like, what, what's the topic of conversation in, in Bitcoin or world? Yeah, I think Bitcoiners are in the mode of celebrating and trolling macro people that are trying to catch up to Bitcoiners. Mm -hmm. I feel like Bitcoiners feel like they are in their native environment right now and that there's a lot of people like from the outside looking in trying to figure out what's up and they're just being complete trolls about it. (laughs) (laughs) Just having just a grand old time. Oh yeah. It's it's like Bitcoin Twitter right now is just completely hilarious. There's just the (laughs) most ridiculous charts and then any anyone with any clout who says anything that's even remotely um, questioning of Bitcoin is just unsatiable trolling just like it gets canceled just get the cyber hornets come i guess i don't you know the the cyber hornets are hopped up on crack right now so that's a fact um Mm -hmm. but yeah i've been doing a little bit of trolling myself but i do i do find the bitcoin iq dumbbell chart to be uh right very accurate and very hilarious Okay, so we're we're going to have to explain what the Bitcoin IQ chart is for for the listeners. What what is that? Yeah, so the idea is that the people who believe that Bitcoin is just going to go to the moon is going to be stupid prices, you know, hit gold market cap level. They either have extremely low IQs Mm -hmm. and they're just fooled by the get rich quick scheme or... They have gone so down the rabbit hole and understand Bitcoin so deeply that, you know, you could, they're the polymath status. And mm-hmm. then everything in the middle, they just, they're just like, what the fuck is this thing? Right. Like, you guys are, you know, cult Ponzi members. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is just like, you're either stupid or you're right. a genius. And if you're not, then you just don't get it. Yeah. If you're not smart enough to be a genius, but you are smart enough to like keep yourself out of trouble from your stupidity, then like you figure out ways to like criticize Bitcoin. Either either you're a super wizard or you're kind of just a dunce who follows the super wizards, right? Like this is why people like uh, Michael Goldstein and Pierre Machard like do really good jobs of like distilling down Bitcoin's messages into like a single tweet. So stuff like Bitcoin fixes this and number go up because like number go up is a really easy thing to chant. Like we we can get a lot of people to chant number go up. No, hundred percent. And I've had several quotes about this and it's just like, Oh, 
I think from the outside looking in, you kind of see like the low IQ number mm-hmm. go uppers, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And you're like, oh, that's so unsavory. Right. But the reality is, is that's literally Bitcoin's meme just becoming so digestible and so understandable that anyone can just take up arms and fight for the army. You don't have to be a genius to do it. <laughs> you you say that as if like that is the 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 bona fide truth of what Bitcoin is. Like Bitcoin, Bitcoin's the truth of Bitcoin, capital T truth is number go up. And like I don't think you can claim that that I don't think anyone can claim that it, that that is true. I think that that's just the chant that Bitcoiners chant and maybe it becomes true. But like that's not it's not like something that's in the DNA of Bitcoin. I don't think number go up is in the, the DNA of Bitcoin. It's well, something that is placed there by the community. Th- this is what in between people say. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Bitcoin's the the high IQ and low IQ people will say Bitcoin's designed to pump forever. So well, okay, if you just separate the people out from people who like who are smart but say number go up into the hierarchy high, high IQ section and the dumb number go up people into the low IQ section and then just push out anyone that doesn't say number go up and, and call them just like, Oh, you like, you're only 110 IQ. Like, okay. That's like, a, that's a fun game that Bitcoiners are playing. Yeah. It's a game. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, number, number indeed does go up. So until number stops going up, we'll, we'll have to say number goes up. Yeah, um, I really like the year chart, and I'm sure that this a, a year candle chart for Ethereum is very delightful to see as well. Mm-hmm. But it is just it pretty much what the year. If you look at Bitcoin in year candles, all it is mm-hmm. is up a lot, up, up, down a little bit, and then up mm-hmm. a lot three years in a row, down a little bit. So that's been the last uh, two cycles. So we'll see if, in this third cycle if. It will, in fact, go up three years in a row, and then after a blow off top in twenty twenty two, be down a little bit. You know, thirty percent, fifty percent, sixty percent. Do you ever think about like when we're looking at the Bitcoin chart in like twenty fifty, how like we will have been looking at the Bitcoin chart like on, almost on a daily basis for like you know forty years in a row, and we're we're gonna watch every single candle get laid out for like 40 years because like I, I find it fascinating in the world of crypto when you like a decent amount especially in the world of DeFi, you look at a token chart and like wifey like wifey's one year candle isn't even done yet it's like not even close like some of these things That's are just be a hell of a candle. Very... <laughs> like some of these things just have like absolutely no history with them and so like we are literally exploring just like this new space space of 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 financial space time and like we're watching charts trying to paint a picture and we're at the very beginning of it sometimes i think about that and sometimes i'm humbled yeah it's kind of like your shirt yeah exactly it's exactly financial right. space time yeah mm-hmm. um yeah dude man the one year candle chart for wifey on <laughs> one year i think that might be the biggest green candle in history probably yeah uh-huh. Like I don't, I don't think that there's anything that mm-hmm. is zero, zero to twenty three thousand or whatever it is right now. Twenty six thousand. Although that that wick is quite long right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Not really, because if it, if it starts at zero and then it, the candle goes up to twenty six thousand, then the wick goes cool. up to forty thousand. Like not, that's not too long. I mean, good problems to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, would you say that there's is there anything that slightly resembles like like essentially boltards in Etherland? I feel like Link Marines. Like, there's definitely token armies, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where like mm-hmm. it's just you know, like oracles, oracles, right. oracles, you know, something right. super simple, digestible to like, just like mm-hmm. pound the drum on. Like what mm-hmm. else exists out there um, in terms of like a, a, a religious community that might not be that intelligent? Uh, you mean around ETH? Yeah. Well, um, actually I, even better is, does that exist at all within like ETH proper? It, um, I mean, it kind of exists. It, it will, to answer your question, that kind of takes like a qualitative perception on, on to like what is low iq and what is stupid behavior and what's not um there's definitely like in the ethereum world we definitely share like our memes like the the wolf of wolf of ethereum like always shares like the wolf of wall street memes whenever someone says something about 10k ether like he always he always posts the same uh same gif of like jonah hill kissing um uh oh, what's his face um the main character um uh Leonardo DiCaprio. Exactly. Right. And so like, and so like, that's, that's really something that's super duper easy for like, you know, quote unquote plebs to understand like, oh, there's this wolf, there's this wolf of Ethereum, like Twitter account. And he just posts really bullish stuff. And like, I'm, I'm starting to just like, just be unapologetically posting like very, just stupid, just very simple, like ETH takes one of my, one of my very, uh, one of my very recent uh, tweets was, "Yeah, ETH is number go up technology," and that one got like a hundred likes in the first like first hour or so. I was like, "Oh, great! I'll just like copy off all the Bitcoiners and see what happens with, with my engagement stats." <laughs> yeah, I think when we interviewed uh, Pierre, he was like, "Aren't you the guy who just copy and paste my tweets and replaced Bitcoin with uh, with Ethereum?" Oh, did not he say bad, that? Yeah, not yeah. a bad strategy, right? <laughs> like. You, you guys, the the whole Bitcoin ecosystem took uh, twelve years to produce these memes, and Ethereum's going to do it in six. <laughs> well, I, I just interviewed Gigi, and we uh, dare Gigi for Bitcoin Magazine, and we dropped mm-hmm. that last Friday. And he nice. said that like when someone writes an epic paper or someone comes up with a great meme, that's like mm-hmm. a cheat code. Like we're mm-hmm. all living in this crypto world, and all of a sudden we can just download a cheat code for understanding these complex subjects, and like that's why it's so mm-hmm. important. Like obviously Bitcoin paved the way, but um, you know, and and that that makes it easier for future things to kind of get to that next level. And you've described that like, mm-hmm. yeah, Ethereum definitely benefits from being in Bitcoin's wake. And like, not to say that yep. there's like a like a downside for Ethereum. It's just a reality. Is like Bitcoin's there, yep. moving shit, and Ethereum is in a great place to just benefit from 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 that motion. Right. No. And Nick Carter and Hazu both say this as well. Like Nick Carter says that Ethereum culture is downstream of Bitcoin culture. Uh, and, and Hazu is generally like in resonant with that. Like there are some things and, and so, some Ethereans will hear, will hear that and just like be like, Bleh. like, no, we're not. We're not like Bitcoiners. Like we're not like them. Like, but, but I, I think that there's like, there's this fundamental component about any blockchain, any crypto economic system that must be true. And some of the, and a lot of those things are the things that Bitcoiners are chanting, regardless of whether they credit Ethereum with having those same attributes or not. Like those attributes are valuable intrinsically, and it doesn't matter what. It doesn't in a different universe where instead of uh, Bitcoin we had I don't know some some other coin. So insert your name here. Same truths, 
like nothing's different. And if your blockchain crypto economic system is is going to be successful, some of these same things are going to be chanted. So speaking of the chants, um, we've started to see people in the mainstream, especially mainstream financial media, really start going down the Bitcoin and crypto rabbit hole hard, right? So, I mean, yeah. Have you been paying attention to uh, to uh, Fast Money or or Fox Business or any of that stuff? Like mainstream yeah. financial news is all Bitcoin crypto at this point. Like, really? It's crazy. Yeah. Really? Like, that's why, I, I, like, when I I'm in this group with Hunter and I just like talking so much shit because it's like all I have to do is just copy and paste a tweet from Bloomberg or uh, <laughs> or Fast Money and be like, uh, are you going to wait to the all time high to buy or what? <laughs> so it's never been easier, but because of that, but like, were like, were you anticipating this kind of like media behavior, this kind of like environment around you know returning to all time highs? I didn't expect it to happen so quickly, right? Because Bitcoin zoomed, Bitcoin broke 10K and then hovered there for a little bit and then slowly crept up, crept up to like 12K and then basically just zoomed right up to where it is now, which is flirting with all-time highs, right? And so like I was expecting like a year to go from like 10K to 20K, like a year of just constant slow, like bleeding to the upside, like upside bleeding, but that's not what happened. Like we just, we, we made, we've made like 2017 level moves. Um, and I can't tell if that's like the, I was just listening to the first half of the Ledgercast boys uh, podcast and where they were saying like, dude, like this is super bullish. We need to relax, but also this is super bullish, but also we need to relax. Like so, so Bitcoin needs to calm down, but also we're both really bullish. And so like, I'm confused. I never expected myself to be in this particular precarious situation where like everything seems really bullish and we're like already like really high the price is really high uh it's not really high it's really cheap a good (laughs) way to know that is just using the dividing by the 200 day multiple or uh moving average for bitcoin i don't know Mm -hmm. what an equivalent uh, like that is for ethereum but this is the mayor multiple right yeah, I'm sure. Uh, to be honest, I'm sure the 200-day m- moving average is really accurate for Ethereum and finding like uh, a reality of mm-hmm. like what the price really is. Fair price. Um, but I mean, right now the 200-day moving average is still below two, right? So it's not really high until it's like three or four. Um, and then if you zoom out and you look at Bitcoin USD in 2016, it it's almost identical to this. Yeah. Like. It's so close. Yeah, it's like right around right around December is mm-hmm. when it broke. It, it like firmly broke previous all-time high. And then, I mean, what happened is it took a, quite the tumble in January and February, and then the rest is 2017. So, right. I mean, right. like, we're probably going to calm down. That's why they're like, whoa, we got to calm down. Like, we just smashed all-time highs. Like, mm-hmm. what's probably going to happen is it's going to go back down for Q1, ETH, like it's cyclical nature, will do great against BTC. And then, um, and then you know, end of Q1 is, it's, you know, <laughs> full rocket ships ahead, you know? Right, yeah, that's, I think that's more or less exactly what they said. They're like, Bitcoin is going to consolidate, like basically at all-time highs for a while. It has to. And, and then, it, but the fact that it's consolidating at all-time highs and building a base at all-time highs, like the 200-day moving average, 20-week moving average, whatever, all those metrics like catch up to the real price. And so like, then we can't dip anymore. Like if we consolidate it at 19 and a half K for a month or a quarter, like well, there's no dipping. It would be like 16, 15 K consolidation. 
Sure. But yeah, that's bullish. Whatever. We, we, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's bullish for sure. Last time under uh, 10K, right? <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm, I, dude, I was tweeting. This is the last time Bitcoin is, uh, you can buy Bitcoin below 10 K like every single time. And then the last time it actually dipped, I missed it and I forgot. And then that was the last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hoddle and not is a Bitcoiner who he, he was like the, the one who notorious, like the last time below 10 K and it's the meme kind of started around mm-hmm. him. But dude, you, you kind of were right. killing uh, the last time under whatever the whole bull market or uh, the whole like end of the bear market, like the last six months of that. You, uh, mm-hmm. your, your Twitter presence was was really writhing in that. <laughs> yeah, I've made like, and I'm not a trader, and I barely look at. I do look at the charts, but like, not with any. I don't draw lines. I just look at charts. But like, I've made some like calls on 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 the Bankless live streams that have been like played out like really re- oddly well. You make like, great calls when you don't have trades on the line. Yeah, and and when I, when I don't think about it too hard. Yeah, I feel uh, like me and you are both great at making calls like that. Like, yeah, I don't for know some reason. We sound like retards when we're when we're giving our like price, <laughs> and it ends up coming true. Yeah, like, it totally <laughs> does. <laughs> but if I traded, then I'd blow it. I know yeah. that for a fact. You can look at my fantasy football history. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you're not doing so hot in fantasy football, dude. This is this is my second or worst year ever. Yeah, I usually have at least one league. It's like usually like I'm down the middle, and then one league I'm doing well in. This time it's like I'm doing terrible in two leagues and then one league I'm doing down the middle. So, so it's really not great. I, I heard that you got your rights to your name back, but before you didn't have the rights to your name back, would you like to share with uh, our audience what your name in fantasy football was? Oh, uh, Michael Wong got, so we, we do this thing is when you, if you got the lowest score that week, then mm-hmm. the, the highest score, you have to pay them 10 bucks and then they get to change your name. So my name was changed to, uh, BCH is Bitcoin. <laughs> it's obviously retarded. Um, and I told Michael I'd pay him in, in BTC and then I forgot to pay him for a whole week. And then I ended up paying him like $23, mm-hmm. uh, because Bitcoin went up so much. So that's funny. Yeah, it was just that was a bad that was a bad like fantasy football has not been treating me well, which shows <laughs> that like you know I probably would have the best fantasy football team if I uh, didn't actually have a team. Uh, and uh, <laughs> why I make good picks is because I uh, I don't trade. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I want, yeah, go for it. You know, I was gonna say like I'm also not really a trader, but like sometimes they'll just take out leverage when I'm feeling particularly bullish. And I think if I actually like tallied up my track record, it would be pretty good. But I've definitely lost some as well. So, you know, who knows? You're right. As soon as I actually put like put my real money on the line in, in a leverage fashion rather than just like base, then like that's when I'm that's when things get to get skewed. Your the nature of reality gets warped. Yeah. Um I, I have a feeling it's gonna be very stressful mid to late twenty twenty one where I'm trying to dump my shitcoin bags. Like that's it's gonna be difficult. I'm gonna have a hard time like with the the FOMO and the greed. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, just keep stacking. Um, I want to talk to you about E2 Momentum. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, smash deposit contract goals. That was, like, what, 10 days ago. Um, obviously, tomorrow you're waking up bright and early in the morning to yep. uh, to witness that. I will not do that. Yeah, you're, um, you're, you're not going to come. If, if you wake up, I'll get you into the live stream. <laughs> what is it, Bankless live stream? Yeah, Bankless, Ethub, and Yield TV. Oh, my God. All those people hate me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'll they, do it just for that. <laughs> I don't think they would let me let you in. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, this is a historic moment for Ethereum. Yeah, I'll pass you the YouTube link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're we're getting up at three. the The stream starts at three thirty in the morning Pacific time, so uh, that's six thirty a.m. for all you East Coasters who uh, who might might be inclined to wake up at six thirty to get to watch a live stream. But yeah, your you boy's waking up at three in the morning to watch the Genesis block of Ethereum too. So that's what I'll be doing. History in the making, man. History in the making. It's finally here. So just like I was doing some like religious uh, research for uh, for something outside of crypto, but it was very interesting kind of like hearing how the priest that I was speaking to kind of discussed why the Orthodox Church in particular is like so much he he thinks it's so much more meaningful than like, like, let's call it like a Protestant church. And the reason why is because every single person in the clergy has had, has been passed down, has essentially been like touched or a part of, or uh, added into the group from someone who's previously in the clergy. So there's like a chain of people all the way to the genesis of the beginning of that mm, church, which cool. was, can be tracked down to very close to uh, when Jesus died, you know, mm-hmm. it, according to ancient, you know, scripture. Um, and it just kind of reminded me as like, this is why blockchains are so powerful. It's rooted mm-hmm. in something that is like so essential as like religion, ancient mm-hmm. religion. It's like this, this, the like the trackable chain from the Genesis and interpreting things from the Genesis has value. And like, I, and I, I just like thought of it as in the context of crypto and Bitcoin and blockchain a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I just love finding those kind of historical um, symmetry. Resonance. Yeah. What, yeah what, what we're doing and, and in what has been proven successful, right? Yeah, that that is a really interesting perspective, which I which I haven't haven't heard yet. Um, I've always always found that like in the future, maybe in like a hundred years, there's going to be like blockchain like archaeology programs that like start really start like digging in there just to like measure human behavior across time. Like imagine like if if Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever blockchain like ends up lasting like five five hundred years. Like, think about how much data there is. Like, people are going to, like, dig into just, like, the underbelly of, like, these systems that we record throughout history. And so, like, to, to me, I've always considered, like, well, first, there's ancient history. And ancient history is whatever's history is before recorded history. And then there's recorded history, which allowed which allowed people, like, in the clergy to have, like, a chain of descendancy. And then there's the 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 blockchain history, like, blockchain history, where things are actually put to truth and encoded in truth in proof of work or proof of stake like different yeah. eras no it, it it's like it's a million times stronger assurances than any verbal or written tradition ever like the chain back to genesis is like immutable like that is the beautiful thing about bitcoin and like it, it's it's in, in a world where it's like we're living in this post-truth world where anything can be faked like to have the truest truth is just absolutely insane. Yeah, and so we just had uh, Balaji on the Bankless podcast, and we talked about. Well, first off, fun fact: Balaji is trying to start up a country, so that's cool. Um, but he's like part of the narrative sovereign is. Sorry. Sovereign individual, baby. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. 
Yeah, no, we we talked about the book, um, and uh, he he talked about we we talked about how like there's just absolute just failure of institutions lately, and how like Bitcoin and Ethereum offer these new institutions like trustless institutions, right? Um, and and fuck, where was I going with that? Like it, it it just what Bitcoin is or what you know Ethereum is is the truth, not that you know. Ethereum and Bitcoin don't like have a bone to pick with like the laws of physics, but it's one of the things like if it didn't, if it's not on Bitcoin or if it's not on Ethereum, then did it really happen? Because you don't have any other way to prove it, right? Um, so like it so kind how, of is, it becomes his. How long until that is, that's the requirement for truth is it is engraved on a blockchain that, or some sort of, distributed digital trustless layer that could be Bitcoin, that could be some other technology developed in the future. But how long until that is a requirement for something to be valid? Well, I mean, it depends on what the thing that we're calling into question the validity of. Like, are we questioning the validity of a USDC transfer on Ethereum? Or are we questioning like the factual scientific results of a test of a lab of some like i don't know some vaccine like these are were some of these things are harder to test and therefore encode the validity of onto the blockchain than others yeah i'm maybe i was going too far with that because mm. i don't actually give a shit but I think, <laughs> like like i don't want i don't care about encoding you know some test results on the blockchain that's bullshit but i mean maybe like I, yeah i don't know i i just like at I don't know. Point, I, I think there could be some Bitcoin, like something that is required for like a certain level of like trust or for a mm-hmm. certain level of, you know, of uh, notoriety. I don't know. Well, so one of the things that Balaji was talking about on the podcast is how to generate an online university where like if you answer a question, you get like a digital NFT as like a receipt of your question answered correctly. And so like you would go through this course and there would be a quiz of like a hundred questions. And if you, you just a- answer the questions and if you get right, you get like a digital token that represents the, like that you made the correct answer. And so like what that can do is that can verify um, that, that you pass like quote unquote pass the test. Right. And there, there are ways to ensure that this isn't gamed. Um, I'm sure there needs to be more work, but like th- what we could verify that way is like the, uh, credentials of a of a particular person that passed a particular test, right? Uh, and then the legitimacy of this test could be determined by like the the social parameters around whether that test is useful or not. Yeah, that's way too game theoretical and like token economicsy for me to even start like commenting on. So mm-hmm. we'll see how those things develop. Well, well, it's just like it's 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 the same thing as like a degree from a university. It's but instead of a degree, it's just like. Uh, the degree is like fractionalized into a bajillion different bits. So like imagine if like every single question that you ever answered in college was turned into like a little token and then you started going around your university, hopping from classroom to classroom, collecting tokens. And then, and then that, if you collected a thousand tokens, you get to graduate. Like there's just like new models for the same things that we've already seen um, out and about in the real world. I like the idea of a digital scavenger hunt university. That sounds fun. Yeah, you know, just thinking about like the different incentive systems that are going to be designed and created into the future, it's going to be, it's going to be goofy. It's going to be interesting. Um, I really think that we are, I mean, we have been going down this road, like we are really kind of discovering what 
ultimate scarcity means. But we're also discovering the other side is like the money printer for all. And like the, Mm -hmm. the, yeah, I mean, issuance of whatever for all, like it's the democratization and the, the permissionlessness of the other side of the equation too. And I feel like maybe like the divide between Bitcoiners and Ethereans is like what side of this whole circle you care about Mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And like everyone's kind of, you know, has the, they 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 project their own version of what they view onto these things, and these mm. things kind of reflect what they project onto them. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but I think it's well, interesting. A while ago, I gave out the phrase "abundant scarcity" as like that's what Ethereum brings to the world, and I remember you laughing about that concept. But that's ex- what I what I said when I said abundant scarcity is the ability for money, like ass, not money printer, but like you know, scarce asset printer. That's what you just said. That's exactly, that's exactly the right way to view Ethereum where Ethereum is just like this printer of scarce assets. It's it's up to people to make them useful. uh, Yeah. I mean, I think I still think scarce assets is an oxymoron, but people having access to the printer in a more legitimized uh, and Mm -hmm. composable way. uh, That's what Ethereum adds mm-hmm. it's not scarce it doesn't add scarcity in my opinion you know, it adds expressions of scarcity yeah we can like, debate well, this on a different show what, ha- what happens what happens when a bunch of people get to access a scarce money printer which is the erc20 token contract and then everyone starts making scarce assets and then all of a sudden, some scarce assets boil up to the top and turn into something like YFI or Aave or Uni token or something. That's that's like let's just get ten thousand humans to experiment with scarce assets and see what they can produce. And like by nature, every every scarce asset that gets produced that begins to have like a market cap is something that's chosen like through chaos, not through any top down uh, authoritative. It's, it's it's done by the community, right? The community adopted these scarce assets. So like we'll print 10 bajillion shit coins and then we'll get like four or five wifeys. Yeah. I don't know if I would consider those things scarce. And like, I think that a lot of this has to do with like what ensures the scarcity because Mm -hmm. ultimately what ensures the scarcity of those things Mm -hmm. is a social contract. Sure. And I mean, again, maybe that in the spectrum of things like a, something being insured scarce by a social contract is great. That's literally what the entire financial system is built on right now. It's mm-hmm. all equities. And that's effectively social contracts and uh, and legacy, you know, financial infrastructure. That's all it is. So, I mm-hmm. mean, social contract and legacy and, and mod, you know, blockchain financial infrastructure, That I mean, that's DeFi. Is that... Is that scarcity? Is that like the same thing as Bitcoin in theoretically what Ethereum is striving to be? I don't know. Like maybe the word right. scarcity is 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 maybe the wrong word to use. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what you're saying is like, well, Bitcoin has undergone the civil war, and you know, even the even the civil war didn't come to come to like end. Bitcoin being mutable, right? And and the scarcity being threatened. Like if, if maybe if Bitcoin cashers had successfully like co-opted Bitcoin and then Bitcoin cash be- literally became the real Bitcoin, maybe we would have different assurances around scarcity because yeah, like we changed the code. Version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's a fair take. Yeah. How much I mean, scarcity it, do you really need though? 
Well, so this is what I would say. Like, I think big, like just like Bitcoin and some of these like really decentral, like truly, truly decentralized assets, like they are re revolutionizing what scarcity is. Like they, like they are the gold standard now right. of what true scarcity is. Scarcity so, protected. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe you just need to come up with a better word for describing perfect scarcity. And then mm-hmm. other things are just a spectrum of that. I don't like, I don't know. I'm trying to be open-minded here. Although in my mind, it's like you can buy perfect scarcity right now for quite cheap. So why, <laughs> why not do that? Like, I think, I mean, again, we, but we can return back to like this back and forth anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, what was I was going to ask, uh, I lost it. I well, lost it. Let's wrap this one up. I got to head over to Orange County and uh, clink some beers with uh, Bitcoiners over this. Uh, all right. Well, place. say hi to my our former alma mater. Yes, sir. I'll actually be pretty close around there. All right. Cool. All right. I'm gonna have not yet been back. <laughs> I mean, you're not. I, I heard that a circle is sick. Yeah. It's like every year. It's way better than the last year. So, I mean, when we graduated, it was way better than when we first yeah. started. Very true. So that trend has continued. All right. Rob, Rob, no Chapman. <laughs> Chapman University. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everyone. You guys, make sure to follow the show. Five-star reviews. All that good stuff. Follow me, CK Snarks. David? You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless, and on the ETH2 live stream, 3.30 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow morning. a.m. Eastern time. Yes, thank you. For those who are on the on the right side of the of the country. All right, peace, y'all. Bye. Will you deceive?